1: The world of crypto is an incredibly exciting journey that we're all going on together. We don't know where it's leading to, but we know it's going to be absolutely massive. Join me, Raoul Powell, as I guide you on our adventure to discover just what this new world will look like. Sergio, it's amazing. Here we are in person. We've never met before.
0: It's amazing. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So listen, let's go back to how we first met. So talk to me through that, because it's sure. just kind of a fun story, your whole evolution. I think it's just a great story in this it's, space.
0: Um, you know, I've been following Real Vision for a while now. I always saw a lot of value in being able to be the fly on the wall of you having conversations with, you know, some of the smartest people out there in finance. And so I was very focused on, on the macro when I was working at, at Barclays. Spent the last seven years of my career there.
1: And what were you doing there?
0: I was doing uh, equity sales. Right, so uh, which is Latin is what I used today, So right. ETFs, options, structure notes, and so you know, found it very, very valuable to get that information, and then I will write a morning note, and you know, borrow a lot of the ideas, or just kind of like you know, use you that. You stole a, our ideas. I would <laughs> not steal them, but you know, use them as a source of inspiration. Right. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, so after after a few years following you guys around, and and um, given COVID, you know, the first years and the second years of Barclays, didn't have a chance to really have that training, you know, one-on-one with, with the people on the desk and all the programs that we had. And so I figured it'd be a good idea to kind of like give them a perspective of what, you know, the best advice, you know, successful people have had in the market and, and just pass it on to them. So I said, well, you know, I'm going to just DM Ral and ask him, hey, give me like one or two bullet points as to what the best advice you ever got for you know, being a salesperson. And so I DM'd, I honestly did not expect a DM back and <laughs> you replied and you was like, yeah, sure. And then you said, hey, why don't I just you know, do an interview and I'll talk to him for an hour. And that was just, it was amazing. The, you know, we put the event together. We, we hosted, I, don't know, I think it was 40, 50 of the analysts. And the feedback that we got was incredible. They were all over the moon. They just really, really, a lot of them, you know, still to this day, uh, a few of them are friends, told them I was coming to see you. They were just super
1: happy about, about that. Because I used to do that when I was at Goldman. I used to be brought in to see all those. So when you reach out to me, I thought, well, I know how to do this. And I know how to get them really interested and give them a focus of what to do. And it was, it's just fun to do, right, to help people.
0: No, I loved it. I loved it. They loved it. It, was, it, just, it kind of, like, opened my eyes, too, to, like, there's more outside of the walls of this bank or this market, right? Like, you can really, especially using Twitter, using Discord, you can reach out to anybody in the world. And if you connect, you connect, and that can make a big difference.
1: And also, it it really shows that investment banks are set up over owning a set of research and ideas that they distribute to their clients. And the reality is the world's changed. The quality of information on Twitter or Real Vision or all this stuff is ridiculous.
0: It is. It is. And so my morning note, you know, it started getting really ridiculous towards the end, because I realized every single bank sends out the same morning note. You know, futures did this, tens did that. And so I started digging deeper into like the Reddit crowd and the hoodies. Ah. I started writing about the hoodies in January of that year. Um, Our research team didn't put out anything until like nine months later, even though I was like, guys, you got to realize like retail traders are moving everything. Um, And so, yeah, same thing with Twitter, same thing with like all the social media, like being able to tap into like the world's information in a second is
1: super valuable. So, how did you get into crypto and all this? Because you're like a macro guy at an investment bank, living the dream that you thought that this is what you really wanted to do, you had a great job, suddenly?
0: I missed it once. So, um, on one of our junior traders, when I was at Goldman, I started my career at Goldman in FX. Um, he left in 2011. And on his way out, he's like, hey, I'm going to do a startup for cryptocurrency. Okay. Um, so we stayed in touch because he would ask where different EM currencies uh, fixed um, over the week, over the month, and we stayed in touch. And then about a year later, he's like, "Hey, by the way, my app is done. You should download it and buy some Bitcoin." And I said, "Okay, Fred, I'm gonna download Coinbase." And I did. So this is Fred Erson, Fred. <laughs> yes, the co-founder of Coinbase. And I, I try to connect my checking account, but the bank, which sh- shall remain nameless, uh, fraud <laughs> alert. No, come into the branch. You're not gonna like send money there. And I just kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, and yeah, I missed it. I missed it. I watched it double, triple, quadruple, ten duple. And at some point, I it was watched like- watched
1: Fred become a billionaire.
0: Yeah. And I'm happy for him, obviously. <laughs> and like, you know, he's done such amazing things. But so I missed the first time around. And then I saw it go all the way to 20,000. Uh, I've already made a lot of money. And then when it crashed, that's when it really caught my attention. After the crash, that it didn't go to zero.
1: Yeah. And there
0: was a lot of people still building on it. So to me, it was like, okay, now the froth is out. There's definitely some value there, so let me take a closer look. Um, and then you started talking about it, a lot. And so again, kind of like, oh, this is really smart people talking about it. And so Medcalf Law <laughs> just became a part <laughs> of my vocabulary. <laughs> and um, yeah, so March with the crisis, with the COVID crisis, um, everything crashed, every asked crash I'm like, okay, this is a buying opportunity, so I called Fred. I said, Fred, what do I buy? He said, buy Bitcoin and Ethereum. So I just started buying, kind of averaging in um, with work and everything that was going on. I was super focused on, you know, rates and everything yeah. else. I was not really paying attention, keeping an eye on the balance it was going up. okay. And so it wasn't until later in the year that uh, as part of a lot of my research and for my morning note, that was, again, super ridiculous, I saw NFTs. Um, And in Jan, there was a big NFT buy, Uh, it was a punk, it was an ape punk uh, by my now friend G Money, who we hosted on Real Vision this summer. Um, And I wrote a note making fun of it and saying, you know, the dollar is so worthless that people are wasting their money on JPEGs of pixelated animals. Um, and, you know, I, I thought I was ripping apart the idea. And then a week later, I wrote a so note. You are you so clever at this oh, point. Oh yeah, I'm like, oh, I know so much better than these people. Uh, and uh, one day I found myself in the punks discord and everybody was super friendly and helpful and it just got red pilled. It was just kind of like day and night. And I saw the world with a whole different set of eyes.
1: And then I got a DM from you again at some point saying, I've left Barclays. I'm going full time into this space.
0: Yes. Um, right. So I bought my CryptoPunk on Valentine's Day. Right. And I'll never forget the date because my wife will not let me forget the date. <laughs> because she came over that evening. She's like, hey, well, you missed Valentine's. And you've been in your computer nonstop for 48 hours. What's going on? And I was like, I just bought this. And she's like.
1: You missed Valentine's?
0: Yeah, well, like we're supposed to celebrate or something, I guess. <laughs> And we've been there for a year, so you're really supposed to celebrate. Yeah. Um, And I was like, hey, listen, like, I'm really into this, and it's just super supportive. Um, And so, yeah, I bought the uh, the punk, and then I stayed up, I don't know, maybe the next two weeks I slept, like, an hour or two a night.
1: What, just looking at your punk? No,
0: (laughs) glad to. (laughs) But just doing research, getting to know, like, the community, the technology behind it, and kind of just... Diving really deep into it. Um, that's when I realized I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was at work just thinking about crypto. I was repeatedly told at work to stop talking about <laughs> NFTs, like repeatedly. Really? Yeah, yeah. We had this internal macro chat that kind of pretty much ran because I was always like sharing tweets and breaking news and ideas and stuff like that. And I, you know, I, I like to brand myself, and that was my brand at Barclays, like the macro chat guy. Yeah. And then I became like the crypto guy and the ETH guy. And so, yeah, I got pulled aside a few times. And they were like, hey, people are wondering, like, when do you work? Because all you do is talk about crypto. And so, I was like, maybe it's time for me to, to, to really actually commit fully
1: into the space. What did you see? What changed your mind? Because everyone's had to go through this transition. We're going to talk a bit about this in a bit. But what did you first see when you suddenly went to that Discord, saw the community? What changed your mind? Tokenized tribalism.
0: I'm a big believer in human nature and how human nature drives everything we do. Yeah. Right. Marketing is all about human nature. Finance, all about human nature. And so the way I and saw behavioral it, incentives. Yeah. So social tokens. I saw that as a social token. This is a very exclusive club of people that have been around Ethereum since the beginning, and owning one of these things kind of gives you that membership. And so it opened so many doors. I was having conversations with, for example, a gentleman by the name of Snowfro, who is the founder of Artblocks, which is the biggest generative art platform um, on Ethereum. And, you know, having a punk kind of like gave you that access and and everybody's like, oh, you're, you're family. And and that's when I realized, OK, there's there's communities that are going to spring out, out of this and actually be able to like build value together. Uh, and of course, we're stuck indoors. You know, it's been a year and a half of not being able to go anywhere. Um, and, and yeah, I was like, OK, this is it. I sold all my stocks. I sold my gold. And I just... Dove.
1: All in. All in.
0: Irresponsibly long, I believe, is a phrase I heard yeah, somewhere. I might,
1: might have heard that somewhere before. But one of the things that I'm struggling with is what's happened is this space was all about democratization, and now it's gone to elitism again. I mean, humans do this, right? So, so yes. it's human nature, but that's what I find difficult.
0: It's bound to happen, right? And so especially with the way the the Assets have risen in value, but if you take a step back towards March and April, right? And, yeah, and, when
1: you told me to buy,
0: I wrote you a very long email I know. with a punk Is That honestly, I see it now. I read it the other day, and I realized I should have just sold everything else and bought more punks after sending you that email. Um, but if you go back to, to 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 those days, and like for example, digital art, and like you were talking about how there's digitized assets, right? Like how they have value because, you know, we're spending our time in the digital world. And so seeing that digital art and being able to say, I own it, like that has some sort of effect in your brain where you start connecting with the pieces, with the artists, and again, going back to the community, right? So I started collecting a ton of art on Nifty Gateway um, and being able to connect with the community was amazing. And the artists too, and the artists will reach out and be like, hey, like, help me think about my next drop. What do you think of this? And so being able to help them generate value um, through with different mechanics or just you kind know, of think about their careers was really, really rewarding. And so, yeah, elitism arises from, you know, how expensive some things have gotten, but you yeah. start seeing also new communities springing up. And there's there's communities, there's projects that are actually focused on, on ramping people to the space. There's communities that are focused on charity. Um, and so I think, yeah, you'll have... Different kinds of things and, and the top will be the top, but I think the technology really unlocks a lot of ways in which you know humanity can capture value.
1: And it's really interesting because you know, you say, Well, you learned a lot from me, but in return I learned a lot from you. From that email, I didn't buy it because I didn't understand it. Not that I didn't understand digital value, but I'm like, I don't, I can't relate to the images. They didn't right. mean anything to me. So I'm like, if it doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not really involved, and I'm not on Discord because I just don't have time. So I'm not, I just couldn't connect with it, and that was—I don't know what price they were—they were they were thousand or something.
0: Forty yeah. <laughs> k. Um, yeah, no, I, and I, you know, I do believe in buying what you like, right? I missed the board apes. I didn't like them. I didn't no. like the art. And I, I, I personally did not like the way they were going about certain things, and so I chose to not buy them. And of course, I regret it tremendously because you know they've really moved a lot. And, and, and along the way, I, I traded a few of them bought, sold, but I never connected with the community. And
1: Well, you actually did an interesting thing. You filmed, and we shouldn't really say this, but you filmed the Bordet Yacht Club, their party. Yes. And it shocked me because it was really bro-like and it was very, it was, I saw that tribe and there's different tribes as we know. And I thought like you did, that's not really what I want to be part of.
0: Yeah, I think that's very fair, right? Like, I don't want to be part of that. I want to be part of this and and be able to, to have that choice. And so, yeah, you miss some traits, um, and then you get lucky in others, and then others not so lucky. You have a bad rate on the, you know, whatever it be, the project, the community, the mechanics. Uh, But that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun.
1: And then the next phase in your and our journey together was Remy, who works for Nick Global Investment, was a co-founder of Real Vision. He reaches out to you, and you guys start talking about NFTs. And Remy on the quiet for me is building a metaverse for Real Vision. And we're like, and Remy taps on the shoulder and goes, listen, we need to have an NFT gallery. So he reaches out to you. And most people haven't seen it. So it's just launching around this time. Right. That they're about to see this, this amazing NFT gallery that you put together for us, curated the whole <laughs> thing. It's epic. Talk, talk about that.
0: Right. So Remy and I were in the same Discord, again, for one of, of the artists, actually, Matt Doc Jones. Ah, uh, that's who right. Who I hosted on Real Vision 2 over the summer.
1: Yeah, it was right. great.
0: Um, thank you. And so, you know, he goes, Remy goes by an anonymous Discord name. And I had no idea who he was. So he reached out on the side. He's like, hey, I really like Matt Doc Jones. Like, we started kind of chatting. And I, I could tell, you know, the space is, is skews young. But there's also a lot of like people with a ton of real world experience. And you see it like some of the biggest like, you know, names like Punk6529, like their people are very established and they're just taking on a new persona in this new world. So Remy reveals himself, docks himself, as we say in crypto. (laughs) And I was like blown away. I'm like, wait, what? Like, you're the guy who makes all the really cool charts for like (laughs) Real Vision Pro that I've been borrowing from for my morning notes. and, and yeah, we had a really good exchange. And he said, hey, listen, we're, we're launching this initiative. As you know, you know Real Vision is really going into crypto. And we're going to have a, a gallery. will you curate it for us? And I thought it was the biggest honor ever. Um, and so we worked together to kind of like pick different pieces that would reflect kind of like the history, like the short history of the space. Yeah as well as where we see it going, right? So we had, I think, three or four uh, pieces by Micah Johnson, yeah. um, the Aku project. And who's coming here. Who will be here. At the event. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, so she has been a big support of this other cherry project that I, that I launched. Um, so we have that. It's kind of like the cultural value beyond just you know number go up. And then we had- Because
1: p- those Aku pieces, are, they're
0: gorgeous. Yes, it's amazing. And the whole like message behind it, right? And, yeah. and his whole idea of like his nephew saying, hey, can black kids be astronauts? And, and and so very very powerful. You know, I'm a Mexican immigrant. Uh, you know, learned English in high school. Yeah. So even while I was a Goldman and Barclays and all this stuff, the first thing people ask you is where'd you go to school, and and where are you from? And and so society like tags you with different things. Yeah. And it's just human nature.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So NFTs, crypto, like enables us to kind of like transcend beyond that. Um. And so that's what we wanted to do with the gallery. We did uh, the aqua pieces. Then we had some art blocks, autoglyphs, Punks, and then some art by some of my personal favorite artists who you know, have also done very well. So we have Too Much Lag. Uh, we have Nest Graphics, and we have Mad Doc Jones as well in there.
1: So those, if you were to buy that art gallery now, what's that worth?
0: Well, forgot. We also have Xcopy in there, who's the number one crypto artist out there. I uh, just sold a piece for $7 million on secondary market. Um, and what's that worth? Well, we have G Money's Punk which is worth, after that print last night, it's probably worth $10, $12 million just for the punk. We got Autoglyph, it's probably worth, I don't know, call it half a million dollars. Those three 101s are probably $200,000 each. So you do the Matthew the Numbers guy. Then we have an X copy that was sold at Sotheby's, and we borrowed from my friend Anonymous X, or Anonymous. That's what he goes by. Um, that piece is probably in $2, 3000000 million at this point, so... Twenty-five million dollars in there.
1: Amazing, right? So, let's talk. Let's split this down now. There's because there's the art market and then the NFT space as it currently stands, and then we'll go into the future of where this is all going as well. So, the art market. There's, you know, one of my good friends and I, I won't mention, but I mean he's built a hundred million dollar portfolio of just generative art. Yep. Um, and there's a lot going on in the art space. Beeple kind of came roaring onto the scene. So what are you seeing in that space now? Where's that Where's that got to?
0: I think, listen, Beeple was kind of, actually it was a local top. That $69 million Christmas print was a local top. Uh, the expectations were very lofty. Obviously, it kind of like killed them all, expectations. But it.
1: to be fair, it was how many,
0: it was... 5,000, 5,000 daily pieces. No, I I mean... They, they were weren't expensive, it. actually. No, no, no. If you, if you break it down that way, no. Yeah, no. So the art market went from like open editions and a lot of copies of the same thing, which people started seeing as trading cards, right? right. Again, like kind of like people looking for profit, which goes back to human nature, right? And now and we're moving more into one of ones and really, even though, you know- What do you em- mean
1: by one of ones
0: There's only one token with- right.
1: one of ones right. One-of-ones, okay. yes.
0: Yeah. Right, so there's only one token with that art piece. Yeah. Um, the beauty is everybody can enjoy it, right? So that X copy piece in the Real Vision Gallery You know, anybody can go and see it, it's not locked away in an anonymous vault somewhere like in a Swiss mountain. That's right. Right? Everybody can go and appreciate it. And I think we'll continue to see kind of like a movement more towards kind of like, in a way, the traditional sense in which you have, instead of having unlimited copies of a piece in the token sense, you'll have kind of like collections and museums spring around this digital art. Which is a whole different medium, and it really opens up a ton of possibilities. So, the art market for digital art will continue to grow, obviously enabled by NFTs and enabled by the fact that the more copies that exist of something, right, the more pictures that are being taken of the Mona Lisa- The more valuable it is. The more valuable because People don't get
1: their heads around that, but it's it, absolutely true.
0: It takes a while. It really does take a while. And so, yeah, so I think art will continue to go that way, continue to accrue value, continue to have smart people like your friend, realize, hey, this is a paradigm change, and put money to work there, too.
1: And what he's, the bet he's taking was really interesting to me, because he's a traditional finance guy. But he's like generative art, which is generated by computers right. or algorithms. Right, so here, the art is in the programming, correct, which is a really different concept, even harder for people to get yeah than people, which is you know much more traditional in the sense of artwork. the outputs are beautiful. I'm yeah. sure you've seen them, yeah,
0: right. so that's that's kind of like the technology enabling this whole new layer where you know the artist codes the algorithm and then when you mint the token, it takes a transaction hash and other variables and then runs it through the algorithm and gives you a visual output. So it's really like capturing a moment in time of that blockchain and putting out something beautiful. You can't replicate
1: it. No. And I love the idea, why do we need humans? Because we can now do this with music as well. We're seeing the rise of the algorithm becoming all powerful, that, that in the end, the computers generate the arts, the computers generate the music.
0: But the humans generate the algorithm. And so technology,
1: by reducing now. friction, but for, well, for n- now, yeah. For
0: now. Sure, <laughs> sure, but it's it's a different way of expressing yourself, right? Yeah, um, and it's been obviously it's taken off tremendously, right? So Art Blocks and other platforms have launched after their success. Um, I think it all comes down to the fact that the outputs are beautiful at the end of the day, and 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 the meaning and the idea, the story behind each and every single one of them. Again, to my point about the art market moving more towards one-on-ones. For this, right, for an Art Blocks mint, you might have a thousand pieces, and well, they're all similar they're all unique at the same time. And so, yeah, we value that. We value that scarcity. We value that you not know, being able to say, I have the only copy
1: of, of this. And also, I don't think people have got their heads around yet where AR is going. And the fact that we could be displaying the piece of art here and you can permission certain people to see it by just moving your Apple iPhone around. And you know, all of this stuff is coming so we will move to 3D sculpture. Yep. All of this is all, is all coming. And the, the, impossibil- the possibility of the impossible is now upon us.
0: Which is just wonderful, right? Like if you think about how fast things have come when it comes to that. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about art, right? We, we're humans. By nature, we, we love beauty. Obviously, we all have different uh, definitions of it. But being able to sit in your house, and listen, you know, I live in New York, right? So I have some of the best museums within a 20-minute walk of myself. But think of, I have a a friend in Ohio, in Cleveland, right? If he were to go and look at, you know, he wanted to go look at the top art, he will have to travel. There's a lot of friction. Whereas now he can put, you know, his headset and walk through the galleries of some of the best digital artwork and, like, experience it right there. And so, yeah, it just really unlocks a lot of value. And then, and then you draw into my background about, you know, being from Mexico. A lot of people will never, ever be able to travel to New York or to Paris or anything like that. So being able to like educate children with, you know, this new technology and being like, hey, you're having the same experience as some of the kids that are a little bit more privileged and live in Boston and are able to, you know, attend this kind of like, you know, museum walkthrough or whatever. I think it's just really, really good for everybody.
1: Another big unlock that I had about talking about the impossible being possible is Jamie Burke. I don't know if you know Jamie. Yes. So Jamie, one Sunday morning, he sent me a um, Twitter message saying, hey, listen, I've got you an invite to the Dolce Gabbana pre-launch right. in Venice. It was like via Zoom. Yeah. And he's there at the event. Do you want to come along? I'm like, sure. I think it was writing GMI that weekend. So I, I, I took an hour. And went, and they talked about what they were doing. And this was driven by Dolce Gabbana themselves. Mm-hmm. And they had created what was pretty traditional, which was, here's an item of clothing, and we're going to create a 4K image of it as well. So with the token, you get the piece of clothing. You can sell it, do whatever you want. You can wear it. Um, but you've also got the digital rights to wear in the metaverse. And we understand the metaverse isn't there yet. So whenever you decide where and how we will unlock it for you and, and allow. So there was this men's clothing, woman's dress, and some jewelry. Okay, fine, that's... And then what they did, they said, and then we went to our designers and said, right, now create something that can only exist in the digital world with fabrics that cannot possibly exist in, in the physical world and design that as an NFT. And there was this jacket, this men's jacket, and I don't really like d stuff, but it was gorgeous. And I thought you know what, I would buy that in a digital world as a representation of myself. Right. Um, and to me, it actually might be worth more than the five grand Tom Ford jacket that I was going to buy last week. And it stopped me in my tracks to realize that everything is now possible.
0: It is. It is. And and if you think about, for example, Instagram, right, and like filters. Yeah. Right. We're already living in kind of like the very, very primitive metaverse in that, we love to project images of ourselves in yeah. social media. Yeah. right And then kind of like edit them and, and try to make them look better. And and that's what that's gonna tap into being able to walk around these worlds, again, you know, worlds that are be accessible to anybody with a computer, with a VR headset, and you wanna say, Hey, listen, this is my really nice, colorful like DNG jacket. And and, and it's the same thing we've done through through history.
1: Yeah, because humans want to live Want to be their idealized vision of themselves. Right. Right. So they have this idea of where they want to be and what they want to look like and how they want to, who their friends are, all of this stuff. And what's weird is you can make it happen digitally in a way that you might not have been able to do in the real world.
0: And it's just an extension of what we've done since we were living in caves, right? Like if you look at the history of art, the number one object is the human body. Right. And like the clothes that we wore in through the centuries, and so it's just an extension of that with this whole new medium um, that's available to us today. And I'm sure you know, 20, down, 20 years on the road uh, will be God knows what, but it'll be still be that expression of human nature where we like we love ourselves and we wanna look better for ourselves, but also to like you know impress others.
1: Yeah, and usually because it's humans, it's all to do about mating or where you stand in the hierarchy. You know, yes, that's Humans, I mean, they're ridiculous. We are just apes with guns, is my general view on this. And NFTs Which, is, which is why I've got that picture of the yeah, ape I with a gun, because it's like, you yeah, know, that really is what humans are. Yeah. And, you know, they have the same hierarchical structures. They do the same thing. They, you know, try and make themselves attractive to each other, you know, and all, all animals are the same. So so let's talk about the other human attribute, which is the tribalism part. Mm -hmm. How the hell do you filter what is real in this space? Who you want to belong to? Because I find it hard, and I'm a big observer of the space, not a participant, really, of the NFT, these, these communities that are springing up. Because I can't figure out what the community stands for. And had a really interesting conversation with Bill Tai, who's approaching it with a really clear sense of mission, right? This is what we're doing. And I kind of like that because, yes, because it's a Dow structure, it'll go however it goes, but there's a sense of purpose. I don't know what the sense of purpose of Board 8 Yacht Club or even the Punks and all of these thousands of other things coming. Some are building media companies from the ground up, like Gary Vaynerchuk yep. um, and I guess uh, Mike Johnson is really, essentially, but then there's a bunch of other ones and they're kind of assuming everyone's going to figure out what they do. Or is it just a membership club? How do you think, or is it all of these things and none of this these This is things?
0: where the famous D-Y-O-R in every Twitter post comes about, right? Like it, it really does require people to take the time to dive in and to kind of like research and get a feel for
1: it. But what do you look for? I, I don't even know what to look for. I trust certain people that I know, right? So if you come to me and say, "Hey, listen, something to look at," I will go and look at it. Or if um, you know, if Bill Tide tells me, or whoever it is, somebody, my trusted kind of network of people. But the average person, what, what are they even looking for?
0: I think the vibe. At the end of the day, it's the vibe. Like, right? do you vibe with like the communication that's going on the project, like the art? Like what they're trying to achieve, they're so canceled. Like you said, different communities spring in with like different end goals, right? Media companies are just wanting to belong to something bigger than them. Um, it's like sports teams, right? You pretty much your sports team is dictated. you are playing in a... No, but I mean, when, you, when you're a fan, right? You're a Raiders fan because you grew up in, o- in Oakland. Now they moved to Vegas. Are you still a Raiders fan? Right. So what's their point? Like winning a championship every year. That's that's it, but people are like rabid fans of that. Whereas with these communities now, like you can pretty much have a more active role in where the community is gonna go and this is success. But you have to resonate with it. So you have to spend some time in it. And I also think that's what is enabling DAOs to grow so much because you're able to kind of like diversify your bets and hedge your bets because now you're investing with a group of people, and so you know, instead of having a bigger allocation in your portfolio, you can have small allocations throughout a bunch of different projects with a bunch of smart people. One of the things that
1: I'm looking at, and I've seen this before, is new technology Unlock, huge excitement, millions of copycat projects, The average person has no idea what's what, and there'll be a massive washout yeah. when 99% of this is worthless. But the idea is priceless, yes. and where this goes is what really interests me, because I, you know I am just spammed all day and all night with NFTs projects, of which I'm like I have no idea, so I just stay away from everything. Yeah. But I'm an observer because I think that you were early, so you were in a position of you're on the front foot, right? You've got forget the the investing side. You're on the front foot because you understand how these are developing, who are the interesting communities, what's going on. For most people, they don't. And there's a lot of people who are going to get burnt in this whole process. It's ICOs all over again. It's ICOs all over again.
0: But to my point earlier, right, like, and and, and what you just said, where, where is this going? What happens after it all crashes and burns? And what's left behind? And that's really what's going to be valuable, which was the cycle was Ethereum, for example. right? And so how many like ICOs we had back in 17? That you know, billions and billions of dollars and they went nowhere, but the ones that stuck around uh were there were builders on them, now they're you know, at the forefront. And so yeah, it'll be impossible to really you know, determine today. I mean, yeah, I'm sure a few people are extreme visionaries and 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 will nail it. But on average, I agree with you and I agree with the assessment that you know the majority of NFT projects, at least their monetary value will, will come down from frothy valuations that we have right now. Another factor that plays into effect is that, you know, Ethereum, you know, it's $4,000 today, but people think of one ETH is one ETH. And so when you're spending money on blockchain, right, 0. 0.15 ETH is $600, but people will spend that in a heartbeat without thinking twice about it. Happens to me. You know, I was shopping the other day for, for clothes for a conference and I needed some shoes and, you know, they were $200. And I'm like, $200 for shoes? No. And my wife's like, and ETH was 2,000 at a time. She goes, Sergio, 0. 0.1 ETH. I'm like, oh, okay, then we'll take them. But it happens, (laughs) right? And so you're you're playing with like house money, like this magical internet money. And so people lose a little bit of sight of the actual real world valuations. And so, yeah, those are going to come in. But again, what's left behind? What's being built? And what it's being built out there, this whole concept of Web3, where it's the user and builder owned internet and where that takes us. That's going to be super exciting.
1: Yeah, and I think people need to disconnect Speculative investing, trading from community. Right now, they're all lumped in it's the same thing lumpy, because yeah. a bunch of these projects did really well and made a bunch of people rich. But really, it's not about that. Particularly this NFT stuff of, you know, a group of a 1,000 or whatever the number is. It's about building a community. Is there a real community behind it? Do I want to be part of it? And then you don't think of it in terms of the value of the... Of the JPEG itself, you think of it as the value of the community to you, right? And and, and in, those can be five dollars. Um, and you know, Punk six five two nine talks about this. It is not about trying to find the thing that goes to a million dollars.
0: Yeah. So I have some projects where they really haven't moved, right? But the team behind it's great. I love the vibe. Um, I love what they're building, and so not too concerned. And then other stuff that just moons and you're like, oh, I got lucky in that one you just sell it because you take the money. And so, I mean, it's so early and it's so cliche because we all say it all so early, so early, we're all going to make it. But it is, it is so early. Um, and I like spreading out my bets, both community wise, right? Because people can just quit. I mean, we just had a major, major CryptoPunk holder, like rage quit the project this week. Mm-hmm. Right, he dumped 20 punks for maybe 30% below their fair value. He,
1: and this was because you don't own the rights to the image? He
0: disagreed with the fact that Larva Labs, which is the creator of the punks, which, by the way, were free to claim in 2017, and don't have any royalties on secondary trading. So, free product that has obviously you know, gained a lot of value. Um, there's this movement where people want Larva Labs to make it CCO, right? which is like there's no IP rights owned by anybody. Uh, again, with the belief that the more copies that exist of something, the more derivatives, it increases the value. Yeah. And so, yeah, that person decided, you know, I'm not getting what I want. And so, I'm going to accept the project. And again, you know, you have your choice to act.
1: That's right. That's what this community is about. You, yeah. you sell your tokens and move on to another community.
0: Yeah. And so, that's, uh, it's been an interesting week in NFT space because of this whole debate. And the, the beauty of it, and going back to your earlier about social media, like we're able to have these conversations in the open. And and dialogues and being able to like kind of like be that fly on the wall where you know Punk 6529 is talking to you know Punk you know, 4156 and their and VVD and all these people that are really, really smart. And you can tell they're smart because you know we're all playing video games at the end of the day. The difference is the high score list is not in points but in dollars, right? Or ETH. And so you can tell kind of like you know who's done very well and, and, and they'll accrue kind of like that social capital. And so being able to see those conversations play out, um, is, is extremely valuable, and I think that's why, like, being part of the community and being involved. Again, not like I was my first few weeks where I was like not sleeping, <laughs> um, but just kind of like remaining there and engaged. And I like to stay within my lanes because you know I don't have the bandwidth with job and then this to like you know, spend all that time. So just pick a lane, get to know the people. It's all I, for me. It's all about not just the community, what makes up the community, the people. So you get to know, you know, half my friends, I don't know their real names. I've never seen them, their faces, right? And so, does that matter? I don't think so. They've proven to me that, you know, they, they're trustworthy and that we like the same things. And we've, you know, I have a collective, we go by the Mad Pops. Uh, it's eight of us. We have this one on one by Matt Doc Jones, and for the longest time we, you know, never knew who each other was. And we just had a meetup in, in New York, a few of us in November, and we're like, oh my God, like you're this guy. Like you're Sven, you're Darren. It's not their real names, but to me they are. And and, and what so, were they like to meet in person? It was amazing. Yeah. It was incredible. It was like okay. We all kind of the same
1: age. Had you kind of all coalesced similar are, people which or is you...
0: weird. We are all right. same age. Uh, the majority of us like corporate life, kind of been there for ten, fifteen years, done well. And so yeah. That's it's, weird, it's right? Really so you
1: attract yeah. even anonymously you attracted the same kind of people.
0: Yes, which is very powerful too. And and like I met a lot of like the the thought leaders, like sixty five, twenty nine of them in real life as as well, and realizing they're actually a little older than yeah. you would imagine. Yeah. And and their backgrounds being like again, like successful. Much, much more traditional and, you know. and successful. Yeah. And so for them being able to like become a kid again and, and like develop this whole new personality, but add value
1: to the community, yeah. uh, it's just fantastic. Let's talk about the other side of, <coughs> of these NFTs, which is investing, which you, know, you focused on as well. So there's a the community aspect. and As we said, it doesn't really matter if they're valuable, or not valuable. It's do you value the community? Are you enjoying being part of it? Does it matter to you? But the other side is you can actually invest in this stuff too. Mm-hmm. So how, does, how do people approach the investing in the space? Do you just blue chip investing and then a bit of speculative stuff on the side? How do you think about it? How do you build a portfolio? And how should people approach it?
0: My approach has been uh, mostly via collectives and DAOs. So we just launched this new metaverse-focused DAO called Neon DAO, right? incubated by the Lao uh, which is one of the largest kind of like DAO of DAOs out there. Uh, we have folks from Flamingo DAO, which is the largest NFT collecting DAO. And then Artifact, which are one of those uh, lifestyle, lifestyle brands in the, in the metaverse. They create like sneakers and clothes for both real life and the metaverse. And so we teamed up to kind of, again, kind of like a hive mind approach towards investing because it is hard. Like which, you know, which metaverse avatars are, are going to be big in 10 years? We don't know. So I think you have to have, uh, like, kind of like a very long time preference, right? Like being able to say, okay, I'm going to hold these things through the cycles which are brutal and compact yeah. uh, for a while. And so for me, again, it's just kind of like diversifying my bets by partnering up with really good, smart people that I can trust, and then taking that approach. And so and-
1: you investing many via these Dow structures, yeah. with a s- some of your own bets because you bought.
0: Yeah, the side bets are fun and whatever, like you know buy stuff for myself or like whenever I have kids or for my nieces. Like giving my mom an NFT and she immediately within a day made t-shirts out of it.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: For Love her it. and my niece and she Love sent me it. a picture. Yeah, Cryptotes, She just loved it. Um and so but but I do think, you know, it's hard to be if you're not a hundred percent, you're gonna miss stuff. So for somebody that doesn't have the time or like I really enjoy my job, right? So I So what, what job are you doing now? I do sales for Fireblocks, um, taking care of the Latin American region. And so we're a digital asset custody solution.
1: Yeah, a lot of people don't know Fireblocks unless you're really in the industry. Right. And then everybody, you know, everybody knows them because it's like the, the, the gold standard.
0: Yes. So we've been very, very lucky to have, you know, really good clients that helped us continue to improve. And so our technology helps them secure their digital assets without having to rely on a third party custodian. So we're the technology solution behind institutional self-custody and have a front row seat at all the capital flowing into the space, which has just been amazing, right? And just seeing banks and funds and everything being like, all right, we need to do crypto and we need to do it yesterday. So let's go. Um, That's why I'm very interested
1: in the first quarter.
0: Uh, Yes, me too. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Because I'm hearing the
1: same everywhere. It's coming. Because everyone's like, like, you know how these institutions are. They're They're like, they make the decision, and then they need the asset allocation group say, "Okay, well, we will give you X amount of capital. Uh, for next year. Right. So, Jam 1, they're all like, oh, shit, I need to put all this money to work.
0: I think they're all going to raise each other through Q1. Um,
1: yeah, exactly yeah, so, all,
0: so, we're trying to get ahead, right? Like, with our Neon for buying assets. And so, for example, for me, that I really enjoy my job, I don't have a lot of, like, free time, right? And when I do, I want to have quality time instead of having to go and, like, research all these new things Well, I go on our Neon DAO Discord. And guys that are, and, and girls that have, you know, done the research are more a little bit in the weeds, Post summaries and then we vote. We actually have this thing called emoji consensus where there's thumbs up emoji and thumbs down emoji. And if, like, after doing the the reading, you want to deploy capital for the DAO to deploy capital, you vote for it. Um, And so there's different levels, you know, smaller amounts of allocation, emoji consensus, anything larger, we do take like an on chain vote. Um, But the emoji consensus is like really efficient, it's effective. Yeah, super easy. And so I just participate in the weekly calls. I contribute when I can, and when I don't, I'm, I know that my interests are being taken care of in yeah. a way. And so, it's been really rewarding, because you, know, you, you learn so much. And then you try to give back to right? You, you, when I contribute, it's mostly things that I think my fellow DAO members are going to find value in. So it's kind of like super-accurative, and um, it's just really rewarding as well.
1: So, because I was trying to solve this for the whole crypto space as well, because it's so complex. And you end up becoming focused on one thing. You know, I'm becoming very focused on social tokens, which I think is an, ex- you know, it's an extension of what we're talking about, but still different. You're focusing on some of this stuff. Other people are focusing on DeFi, and so I thought, how the hell do I solve this complexity? And I thought, well, there's almost no money that went into the secondary markets. The hedge funds It all went into VCs. Yeah. So I set up this fund of funds because then you can rent the best expertise yep. from the best people in the space. And I think that's going to flow as the space develops, and we, you know, we've seen a ridiculous amount of interest in this. It'll start flowing into DAOs because that's the new hedge fund. Right. The you deal flows incredible. Yeah, and you know, what I'm, we were talking before about NFTs and how they're going to blow up at some point. That is the point to deploy capital by a bunch of smart people who are in the space and understand. Yep. Okay. What's what's ashes and a waste? And what is the phoenix that's going to rise out of the ashes? I mean, I, I love this. I mean, the, the whole asset management industry is changing in front of our eyes as well.
0: It is, it is. It's such a community approach. It's such like, again, being able to take value from people. And I, they don't have to be in New York, right? You don't have to be in a boardroom in New York discussing ideas. Half of our members, I couldn't tell you where in the world they are. Um, and I know we have people in Puerto Rico. I know we have people like in Russia. We have people... Everywhere, Brazil, obviously through through the U.S. and so it's great that we can all come down together and make these decisions, allocate capital efficiently, um, and then kind of like go out there and continue trying to bring in good ideas and good opportunities for everybody instead of each of us spending you know 200 hours of research. It's impossible. impossible.
1: It's, impossible. it's impossible. Space is moving too fast. It's exponential in every area. Right. There's too many tokens. It's so much. I mean, the other thing I've loved watching on this same topic is you've been watching the Real Vision bot. Yes. Right. And they're here, Moritz and Moritz, right? Um, and the crowd has outperformed the experts. And this is just asking the crowd to make a simple asset allocation each week. Yeah. And they don't allocate a portfolio like you and I would. So they're not following asset allocation principles, they're not kind of gradually easing out of one thing out of another. Sometimes, bang, mm-hmm. you know, AVAX is in and the next week it's out. But the portfolio works. Yeah. Because these people have been educated by watching Real Vision, being on Twitter, being in the communities. And then they're expressing all of their knowledge by a simple voting mechanism. And the hive mind crowd is smarter. Yes. Yeah, so and we had kind of like the
0: first like the crowdsourcing 1.0, right, like 10 years ago. Yeah. And that kind of died down. There was no real way of doing it on a broader scale and kind of like keep people accountable. So blockchain fixes that, where you know, you're able to have all the votes on chain if you want to. And it's immutable. So you can always go back and see kind of like where everybody was coming from. And so to your point about portfolio construction, like I look at my, my education and, and I'm really grateful to my school, right? But it was all kind of like value investing. And how has value investing done over the last 25 years? <laughs> right? If you, I, I saw a chart, actually, I logged into my old macro Twitter for the first time in a long time uh, this morning, just kind of like see where things were. And I saw this chart that showed the s You've got two separate Twitter
1: experiences. I do. I really? do. Yeah,
0: well, macro Twitter is very depressing. It is. It's very negative. I was talking about this
1: yesterday. when They're I was fighting the thing.
0: each other and like this guy versus this guy and I'm smarter than you. And it's like where NFT Twitter is like, yeah, we're all going to make it. And so, you know, I'd rather have that in my life than this But whole- they would
1: say you're just being a ridiculous optimist and it's all-
0: Great. Good. Okay. More for me
1: i reached that conclusion, too. In the it's long like, run,
0: I think we'll be better off. And so, again, and it's not just having like hubris of like, oh, well, hey, I'm an optimist. It's going to work out. No, it's an optimist with a bunch of other optimists really focused on 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 making it together.
1: In a space that's going exponentially.
0: Yeah. So, I'd rather have that. Um, and But as I was saying, oh, yeah, so I saw this chart, right, where the S&P 500, if you take out the top five stocks, which we all know which they are, like the FANGs, it's down 20% of the year or something like that. Ridiculous. But your traditional finance education tells you to go buy the stock and your price to book ratio of like whatever, like doesn't work. We're, we're, we're long past that. So some of these NFTs, you really like can't even apply those whole things. We're like, oh, well, like, no, you can't think sometimes, honestly, like for me, like buying a JPEG for $10,000 on February fourteenth, that's ludicrous. Like, you know, all macro me, who a month before had written an email making fun Cynical, of somebody. Cynical,
1: miserable year, macro you, right? Yeah.
0: Then saying, oh, wait, look at this guy. He's got little blue clown eyes. And this is going who I'm going to be in the metaverse. And so from that, and then, you know, people started paying attention to me because I'm a punk. And, and people wanted to like, hear my ideas. And I, somehow I have 23,000 Twitter followers. And I, have, I feel such a responsibility. I can't imagine how you feel with multiples yeah. of that. Right and now like you feel like I want to help people. I want to help this whole community and and so it's been just super It's work.
1: amazing because once you see this space, you know, truly see it for what it is, you can't unsee it. And you can see the magic of Metcalf's law because everybody wants to help bring people into it. Yeah. And it's not because we want our JPEGs to go up or our Probably crypto to go up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we do, but we also Like no, we you know, you don't want people to be left behind. Yeah. Because to the same extent where warning people ahead of 2008 and 2012 in Europe, and to some extent, the pandemic, was an important thing. You're saying, yeah, but it's not all about warning people about risks. It's about showing them opportunities, saying, shouting as loud as you can, saying, listen, guys, you can stop worrying about inflation and being miserable at bond market and whatever, and hating Elon Musk. Or you can just come over to this world, and here's opportunity.
0: The Tesla thing. The Tesla Q movement on Twitter were like, that it's was a cult. so awful. It's a cult. And you know what? Like, they left so much money on the table. Some of them lost a lot of money. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, you know, by nature, humans, new technology, new information, we tell to sh- shield ourselves. Humans
1: fear, fear change.
0: Yes. And then people in position of power or people who have, you know, a little bit more privilege, kind of like, I don't know if subconsciously think that change might take that away from
1: them. And so, that's right.
0: I did notice a lot back in the trading floor, a lot of people saying, hey,
1: like, watch out. But what I love is that tipping point when people fear change, people fear change, pioneers embracing change. Then the tipping point comes when everyone gets panics and realizes, oh, shit, I have to change. That is that, that becomes the incredibly rewarding part. We've not got there yet. You know, That's the we're so early bit, not only in the technology and its applications, But that tipping point. Yeah. You know, because you can see, and it made me feel a bit sick, probably you too, the meta um, thread that was out last night about with Pepsi and with Budweiser. Oh, yeah. GM friends and all this stuff. I mean, like, (laughs) cringy. Who who the fuck are you kidding? You have no community. (laughs) You're just trying to play, pretend play. You're involved in this space because it's cool. It was awful.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, so for me, actually, right, my Instagram, um, which is like the one private social media thing that I have, and I started posting about NFTs. And again, my friends were like, what's wrong with you? March and April. And then um, just last month, I bought a board ape mutant. And I, I, just, I don't know why I posted it on, on my Instagram story and said, hey, who wants a piece of this? More than happy to kind of like run like a little DAO. And I had 30 people within two hours just like, hey, I want it, I want it, I want it. And so now we have this little Telegram chat, people who have never owned NFT.
1: So know. then it got fractionalized.
0: Yeah, we didn't do the whole tokenization or anything. It's just kind of like, and I know them all. And right, yeah. Good old database on a spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> but seeing that change of like, yo, what are you doing? To like, hey, I'm in. And by the way, what are we buying next? In what, four or five months? It's just been crazy. It just went, again, Like it happened to me, right? Like from what is this to yes, all of it.
1: So, do you even care about like the layer ones anymore, or you just this is now, Sergio? You are in this space.
0: I, I do care for the L ones um, professionally at work, right? Yes, and but then, you know,
1: are you investing in that space? Are you yeah, excited so about it, or is it just like you're taking it for granted now? It's there, and it's
0: no thinking of like how I use blockchain from the beginning, which was to send money back to my parents and my sister back in Mexico. Um, so I do see the potential of that, and obviously I love Ethereum, mm-hmm. um, and you know I think it's going to be dominant chain, but it will be a multi-chain future. Yeah. So definitely keeping an eye out for for chains that solve for that gas usage, but also maintain security and sovereignty that people in, in countries like you know my home country will need uh, to be able to make sure that their savings on chain are safe, uh, and that they have those secure channels of transmission of value. Um, so definitely still poking around, but. Again, it's so hard to keep up with everything that's going on. And the jake are just nicer to look at.
1: And, you know, know, we all got, well, I certainly got really fed up with the maxis. And I thought you are one of the clear reasons that Bitcoin has underperformed in this cycle so much. So toxic. Is the community so toxic. And then suddenly, the NFT space, Ethereum was always a pretty neutral, welcoming community because everyone's building applications on it. And then the FT crowd come with the good mornings and all of this. I mean, the, the Maxis hate me for saying it, but it's like, it's a happy place. It's a happy place. That's it, right? And that's what's been like onboarding so many people. Yeah.
0: That you say GM on Twitter. I can never say it. Like people are in the morning like GM. And I'm like, no, it's Good morning. Buenos yeah.
1: dias. Buenos <laughs> well dias. Yeah.
0: But on Twitter, GM is
1: great. Yeah. Right?
0: And then you get 40, 50 likes and people go and GM back to you. And like that just activates something in your brain where you start the day with like, I'm engaged happiness. in the
1: community and the community's you know, yeah. pleased to see me. And it's nice. I'm sure
0: there's some chemical
1: reaction when you get all those course, likes. You know, you're course.
0: just addicted to it. And so, yeah, but it is kind of like this Wagmi culture and it feels amazing. And obviously, right, Ethereum went from 700 to 4,000. That was a huge factor into this whole thing. But now that it's here, now that it's unlocked not just the value, but the creativity and like launch all these projects, um, I think the future is super, super bright.
1: And what about the argument that goes, this only took off because Ethereum went up so much and everyone had so much money, so everything looks like nothing priced in ETH? I, so, I, I agree with that. I, so there's I, an element of excess spending because of what sure. happened. For sure.
0: I mean, you know, NFTs were around since 2016, 2017, right? We talked about CryptoKitties yesterday. Punks, again, were free. I mean, you could buy a punk for an ETH in August of last year, mm. right? Today, the cheapest punk is 70 ETH, and the summer it was 140 ETH. And so, yeah, that kind of like that wealth effect, um, and then playing with house money, thinking, OK, well, I bought all these things that, you know for $300. Now, they're worth a million dollars. So, I feel like I have discretionary income to go and spend more.
1: And then I spend it on things that continue to go up in value. And also, because they're priced in ETH, and ETH goes up. Yep. They become a call option on ETH. For sure. Until they don't. Until they don't. <laughs> exactly.
0: People in the space misunderstand convexity, they and they out. Yeah. Those that don't are the best NFT traders out there. They understand, the people that understand convexity. And it's funny because a lot of them are ex-equity option traders. Gmoney, uh, Keyboard Monkey, Anony All those guys used to trade professionally uh, equity options. Uh, they so get they convexity, the and they're the best NFT traders out there. But the majority of the space those they don't have that experience, right? That 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 experience of trading an
1: asset. I've always thought option pricing model is probably the right way to price almost all crypto. Yeah, it makes sense. Because there's something within within that is what it looks like. They all look like call options. Yeah. They generally act speaking. like that too, yeah. They act like that, that's right. Yeah. And You just need to figure out how far out of the money they are, and what does that mean and stuff. But th- there is an element of being able to find a fair value, and again, you know, you could use the, the Metcalf's law as the other way of valuing it. But there's something around that, and I get it, because the other thing we haven't gone through, and we will go through at some point, is the floor price of these things are going to collapse yep. while Ethereum's collapsing, and so suddenly Ethereum may fall fifty percent, these things fall fifty percent, you've lost ninety percent of your money. You've already seen it twice this year, actually. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. So when ETH topped in May. Right, Punk's top right around the same time, uh, around the Christie's auction, and so yeah, it was it was a brutal, brutal bear market. Um, I learned a lot from it in that you know I sold some stuff that I wish I hadn't, but I got scared. Like you eventually, like human nature takes over you, and you're like, oh my god, I have a hundred of these JPEGs. I cannot pay rent with them. <laughs> I can send them to my mom in Mexico. She cannot pay her bills with them. Um, And so we had that bear market into the summer that then just rocket ship outside. That's when I sent you the email uh, about the punks. And then right now, like some space, like art blocks, really, you know, they're down 90% from the top. Some of them. High-end stuff, like what your friend bought, all those ringers and fidensas. No, those those will be fine. But floor pieces,
1: um, a lot of them have really, really come down because it, So, so here's another question I don't understand is what, with the punks or the bored apes, what makes the difference in pricing between one and the other? I I get it, there might be some, somebody famous has owned it, or, you know, there's there's some relevance to that piece. But in general.
0: So, you mean punks versus apes or within the punks? Within the punks. Scarcity, the rarity of the traits, right? So, they all have, for example, my punk is a dark skinned punk which, sadly, dark-skinned punks tend to be on the floor, and that just reflects the fact that there's more light-skinned people in the game. Um, It has blue clown eyes. People don't really like clown eyes. They prefer the 3D glasses that are cooler-looking, but also there's less punks with 3D glasses, so that scarcity gives them value. Hoodies, for example. There's there's more hoodies than a bunch of other uh, attributes that trade lower than the hoodies, but because people like the way the hoodies look. And because people like 6529 and Santiago uh, Real, they use the hoodie punks, and so they look like Jedi masters. So people value that. So it's a combination of rarity of the traits um, and then kind of like what people see in those traits, right? So 3D glasses, Richard from Manifold has pretty much kind of like branded himself about 3D glasses. So like smart, like blockchain savvy people value the 3D glasses. Hoodies, like I said, kind of like the Jedi master. And then you have different types. In the punks, you have aliens, which is only nine of them. Then you have apes. Then you have zombies. So those there's less of each and there's humans. So people want to have the rarer one. And in the bored apes, um, they're all apes. but For example, the, the more... The, la- the more scars are gold fur. And there's only a handful of them. So people value having an ape with gold fur more than just having an ape with regular fur. And they have like trippy fur. And so
1: scars and are... And I wonder if those attributes will change over time as well, where so- suddenly dark-skinned punks become incredibly valuable because they're scarcer and there is a cultural movement to own dark-skinned punks.
0: I, I, we've Again, we've, we've kind of already seen it as well, uh, where certain attributes were not as in Vogue, or they were in the past. And so they go through their own little cycles, like the market cycles in these things are just.
1: And look, there are going to be people watching this thing. What what the fuck are you two talking about? Really, do you actually care if it's got, there's a JPEG image with 3D glasses, you're still part of the same community. So why does that matter? Let's say, because we talked about community being valuable, and now we're talking about the scarcity of the artwork being valuable. It's this kind of, it's hard for people to get their heads around. Cool. Is if I've got a membership of the community, why not just buy the cheapest one? Right. Or will the community not take you seriously? No, they will take you seriously. I, I was taken
0: seriously when I bought, you know, my punk was the cheapest punk available at the time. Um, but also what you do with it, right? How you brand yourself. Yeah, that's it. right. And so, yeah, some of those trades immediately give you a little bit more clout. Um, and it comes in two ways, right? You either were early enough that it didn't cost a lot, but you were you had the vision to not sell it when it 4x before it 50 x So there's perceived value in you having vision in not selling back then, or you came in late and you spent $400,000 in it. So people assign kind of like value subconsciously to both scenarios. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's also groups within groups, right? There's like, I know in the apes, they have like the cheetah fur and they're always picking fights where they think it's uh, the trippy fur or something. And they have like this rapper and their other rapper. And so there's like little like tribes within it. And so, listen, NFTs take you back to like being 14, 15 years old. (laughs)
1: With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. And so what do you think about, so Apes is doing interesting stuff because they're commercializing. Yes. Uh, where is this all going? Because we're seeing the music and we've got um, tonight, we've got uh, Timberland and they're doing um, stuff based around uh, apes and music. We're seeing apes and cartoons, movie, you know, all sorts of stuff happening.
0: I think it's just, again, speaks to the power of Web3. this whole creator economy, where now, you know, as a, you can launch your own brand, brand based on this JPEG of that's part of a community that's, you know, well-regarded or that's hip. Right? People think of Bored Apes as kind of like the supreme of NFTs, yeah, um, and so yeah, it gets kind of like giving power to the collector to do whatever they want with that ape, um, and, and and use it as a springboard to launch something else. And so, I think a lot of the projects, you know, well, they've adopted that model because it's worked so well for them. And also, we see the like the broader ad- adoption by brands, or like Adidas. Right. They're doing this collaboration with apes. They bought an ape, and now whether they like it, you know, 10,000 ape owners will probably you know, go buy Adidas something now because, hey, Adidas is part of our community. Um, and you know, brands sometimes do it very, very organically. I think Adidas did really well. Or just, you know, like you were talking
1: about. Pepsi. Pepsi. And, uh,
0: um, but like White Castle, like the burger shop, right? They bought uh, an art block. It's called Sea Hams. And that's a very tight community. They call it the Hamily. And so they kind of are doing it very organically as well. Um, so there's a ton of different avenues. But, but to your question, like you know, IP, is it important? I think it's important to have the, the rules be clear from the beginning. So if you buy an NFT that gives you IP rights and you have the choice, the opportunity to go monetize it, then yeah, you're leaving money on the table by not doing so. But also if other people within that project go and like monetize theirs in a way that adds value to yours, You can also just be kind of like a passenger in their success. You'll accrue a little bit of value. So all goes back to, you know, kind of like your partners in that project, like who's doing what with our project and picking projects where you see people doing stuff that resonates
1: with you. And then the other side of NFTs is, you know, we're seeing music, we're seeing, um interesting other creative projects coming out of NFTs that have value as well. We're seeing brands and all sorts of people getting involved in terrible ways and interesting ways. You know, McDonald's and then NFTs, they're never going to accrue value. Maybe they will in you know, 50 years time, people will laugh about how bad it was and so therefore it's valuable. But we're seeing just a movement of everything being tokenized and NFTs seems to be the gateway drug now.
0: The Trojan horse for crypto adoption, for sure. I think, you know, and I think you and Bill were I kind of alluded to it yesterday, being able to just capture value, right? All the value that's going around and being able to put it on an immutable ledger where now you can point to it and say, hey, you know, this value that's been captured is mine. Do you want to buy it? Or I can give it to you as like, you know, for your work, for your labor. Here's tokenized value. You receive an exchange for, you know, your contribution, whatever that might be. And so, yeah, there's just broader kind of like a broader thing into where a lot of things that we're not being able to kind of like monetize like how many things you know we've been able to monetize since blockchain got created and it just continued to go down
1: yeah like I mean path. we're just digitizing all value yeah the other thing that's really interesting with the nft thing is digital identity it's becoming identity and you can have you've already talked about it, you've got two Twitter identities I'm not active on my macro terms, more for like reading, but yeah no but you know what I mean you yeah Theoretically, you could have two different images yeah. that represent two different sides of the, your personality, and you may have a sports Twitter, and you can be, and they can be, you can be authenticated by the community and who you are. You can carry your authentication points, but nobody knows who you are. There's some, there's some fascinating world that's being developed.
0: I think there's a lot of power in like anonymity and just yes. being able to build your own brand. Yeah. Our society tags us with certain things from, you know, where we're coming from, where we grew up, X, Y, Z. That's right. And being able to say, hey, listen, this is who I really am. And I'm sitting behind some sort of profile. And you don't have those
1: biases from the beginning. No, you're Mexican or I'm half Indian or, you know, the accent you speak with or anything.
0: The social events on Wall Street, the first thing people ask you is, where'd you go to school? Yeah. First thing, yeah. where'd you go to school? I caught myself doing that in a few NFT parties because I was trained after 12 years. Hey, where'd you go to school? And we're like, uh, I didn't go to school. And you're like, oh, but you're worth like $2 billion. <laughs> right? And so, so for me, it's been really helpful to- But that was just, don't forget,
1: that's like an NFT. It was your credibility statement, was your certificate that you went to Wharton, right? I didn't. I went to some shitty universities. The anyone accepted me. And I still got into Goldman in the end. But it's just the same thing. It is. It's a credibility statement by a community, which is we're an investment bank and we value people who have this NFT. Right. Which is the c- certificate of your degree or your master's.
0: The award and diploma.
1: Yeah. And then meanwhile, we're just switching to a different set of auth- 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 authentication.
0: Yeah. And you were part of that war- community, and we know that lacrosse players, like, Oh, we like that community, so we'll bring you into ours. Um, yeah. It's the
1: same thing, right? It's the same thing and as And they used to wear, you know, when I was a Goldman, we wore fucking chinos or you know, <laughs> khakis, as Americans call them, you know, and then it went to the sleeveless, the vest. Thing, you know, it's, the vests. I mean, the pataguchis. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Because they all self identify and it's the same thing. It's tribalism. It is tribalism. It is tribalism. It's
0: pure human nature and we're tokenizing it now. And again, to identity, like I, I personally think it brings out a purer version of yourself, right? And you see it, there's people that honestly, I've met people who I adore on social media and Twitter and I met them in real life and I caught myself kind of like letting the biases and the stereotypes take over and I'm like, maybe I would have never talked to that person because of previous experiences or whatever. And, and I'm like being surprised with myself, like I, that's not somebody that looks like a person that I would have like wanted to be friends with. But I've been chatting with them behind like their, you know, crypto punk for the last six months. And I actually really value them and and they're my friends now. And so it's super, super powerful. The the ability to kind of like level the playing field and really let kind of like if you want to, the pure you come out and you can build around that. And then the community will determine if they find you valuable or not.
1: Um, So this is really the start of metaverse avatars, right?
0: I think so. I think so. My bet is that we're gonna like human forms much more than monkeys or anything else. Um, yes. So with Neon DAO, we mostly have deployed in human-looking forms. But then
1: the problem is, is then people are gonna choose color and well, attributes, like and, and we go back to exactly the same thing.
0: Well, I mean, Ken meaning also- your know,
1: color of skin right. and you know all, and you know obviously there'll be voices in in avatars, and we'll be able to choose. You know, everyone's gonna have an English accent and white. You know, it's. There's something nice about I, not. I could
0: never see myself being like a blonde guy on the Metaverse.
1: Myself. No, me neither.
0: I'm maybe a little bit more like Jack going <laughs> to the gym, a couple inches taller. But could I see myself as as another type? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Again, that's just me. Um, I, but I do go back to looking at, again, art history, right? What have we painted through time? Us and our vision of us. And so I think the metaverse will look a lot more human than what people are expecting. And yeah, there'll be fun things. You'll be going as like a King Kong character to like parties and, and clubs and stuff. You're not going to show up to your, like your metaverse office and like, you know, a cat.
1: I'll tell you what was fascinating, because then a lot of us are defined by age. And so we get stuck in a certain type of understanding. As with uh, one of the guys here at the uh, the event who's, who works for PlayStation. And, <clears throat> He's like, I went into this metaverse game experience and it's 10-year-olds. And there's a 10-year-old with a human form, a 10-year-old as a Spider-Man, a 10-year-old as a panda bear, and a whole mix of these. And they're all interacting and it looks ludicrous because you can't take anybody seriously, but they're all doing some educational pursuit. But with this kind of ridiculous character, it's like, that's interesting.
0: But that's what we do in real life.
1: That's true. Walk
0: through, through the Vegas Strip. There's like some sort of cowboy convention right now. People are wearing cowboy hats. I
1: know. And cowboy
0: boots, right? It's and just like an you have identi- your chucks with, with like colorful like shoelaces.
1: That's right. It's an identifier.
0: And that's, you know, we're not wearing around doing we the Spider-Man masks. Well, but some people are. And so technology in its ability to reduce that friction make it a lot cheaper for us to express ourselves, right? So if I wanted to walk around in a Spider-Man suit in Vegas, I will have to go and buy a suit that fits me perfectly. Uh, probably going to be hard to get, probably going to be expensive.
1: Yeah. Probably going to be hot to wear a yeah. suit. And it might look, not look flattering either.
0: I, yeah, well, <laughs> thanks. My wife is going to love that comment. <laughs> um, but in the Metaverse, it takes two clicks, and I can wear my Spider-Man suit. Or I can wear, you know, a crazy hat or the Dolce & Gabbana jacket that you probably wouldn't wear out too much. No. But in the metaverse, right, at the little crypto voxels, uh, Real Vision headquarters, yeah, they'll be around with, like, awesome jacket. So, yeah, I guess just an extrapolation of what we're already doing.
1: I love this. So, I think the final thought is that, and you led with this, is that really we're just enabling the standard human traits in the digital world. And we don't need to overthink it, because humans are humans, and they've always done the same thing.
0: Yeah, we're just lowering those barriers, the geographical barriers, even the language barriers, right?
1: You know, there's going to be clothing brands, multi-billion dollar clothing brands that are going to come out of this.
0: Already, look at Artifact. They raised the amount of money that's like you would have never believed it you know, a year ago. And they're selling digital sneakers and they're selling all these kinds of things. And people put a lot of value into them. And so, yeah, no, it's, 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 I feel very, very lucky yeah. to have fallen down the rabbit hole and uh, be here right now and have experienced what we've experienced and super excited for what's coming. Yeah,
1: out. I feel exactly the same way. We don't need to understand it all, but all you can understand is magic is happening.
0: Yeah, for sure. For My sure, friend, sure. great to
1: see you on Real Vision. And we'll see you soon. We're going to get you back interviewing people as well at some point. And, uh, forward and to you. you're going to Thank talk so us through much. this the curated gallery as well, I think. I think you're doing a piece for us on that. Yes. Excited. Thank you so much. It's been great. Great to see you. What's up revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to Real Vision Crypto. For more great crypto content like this, head over to realvision.com forward
0: slash crypto and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and
1: biggest names in finance.